Hello, my friends. It is November 14th, 2021. You are tuned into Canadian Patriot Radio, and I'm your host, Critch. Today we are going to open with a little bit of irony. This first story comes to us by way of the Gateway Pundit, and the title reads, Cardiologist who said he won't cry at funeral for selfish unvaccinated people suddenly dies in his sleep two weeks after third COVID jab. (laughs) This is by Christina uh, Layla, and it was published November 11th, 2021. A 52-year-old prominent New Brunswick cardiologist suddenly died in his sleep just two weeks after getting his third COVID jab. Over the summer, Dr. Sorab Lutch Medial attacks selfish people who choose not to take the COVID jab. For those that won't get the shot for selfish reasons, whatever, I won't cry at their funeral, Dr. Luch Medial said in a July 2021 tweet. And here's the tweet. The collective argument to protect those who cannot get the vaccine who want protection, immune compromised, the very young, the homeless, and disenfranchised, for those that won't get the shot, for selfish reasons, whatever, I won't cry at their funeral. The doctor unexpectedly died on November 8th, just two weeks after getting his third jab on October 24th. So Rab got his third COVID vax on October 24th per a Facebook post. And here's that post. Vax 3 shot, electric flu galoo. No lineups, great plot and direction. Average special effects. I give it two thumbs up. According to Canadian media, Dr. Luchmedial's family, friends, and colleagues are in shock over his sudden death. CBC News reported, a prominent New Brunswick cardiologist has died, leaving behind a large gap in the system and the community, colleagues, colleagues say. Dr. Sorab Luchmedial dedicated more than 20 years to New Brunswick's heart centre and, uh, and the care of patients suffering from heart disease, said in a statement from the staff of the New Brunswick Heart Centre. It is with profound sadness that we report the sudden and unexpected death of a colleague, friend, father, partner, and inspiring spirit, the statement says. Luchmedial died Monday in his sleep at his St. John's home, said Jean-Francois Laguerre, the head of cardiac surgery at New Brunswick Heart Centre. He was 52. So I don't revel in anybody's death. I'm not celebrating this guy's death, but it's just, it's... It's what the, what we're, the reason I brought this to you is to point out that okay now we've got prominent people uh, dying after their third shot, regardless of what he said about the unvaxed. It's it's just for me it's more the fact that okay now we know for sure we're seeing people get their third shots and they are dying. Um, so it's pretty scary to say the least. Now that they've just basically made the shots. Um, the, the booster shots uh, uh, legal in Canada so anybody can go get them but who's really going to be lining up after um, a prominent cardiologist in New Brunswick did it and he's dead two weeks later you know honestly it's it's a game of Russian roulette these shots if you want my honest opinion um, everybody that has gotten the two shots and so far hasn't suffered any side effects whatsoever these people need to consider themselves extremely lucky and they need to probably stop there. Quit while you're ahead. I, I know this booster rollout. I just... <clears throat> we all know 
that the boosters are are go- are going to become mandatory and all the people that went you know jumped through all the hoops and got their two shots and did what was asked of them will find themselves in the unvaccinated category i'm assuming as early as this winter i'm i'm thinking they're going to make these shots mandatory these this winter and they're going to follow the footsteps of israel as we know they rolled out their third or the booster shot in israel and then they forced everybody to get it and those that didn't over a million people now were lumped into the unvaccinated group so where is the line in the sand for the people that have been jumping through the hoops is it going to be the third shot like i said these people are extremely lucky if they got both shots and they are no side effects whatsoever from the shots i can tell you within my bubble i know people a lot of people that um <clears throat> suffered after the first or second shot they got really ill really ill and then they take some about three to four weeks and then they come back they, they get better but i you know the most common theme among these people is never again that's it you know they they did their part they did what they they think was right or what the government forced them to do and they are flat out telling me that they will never go through this process again because they it made them feel so so shitty so where is the line in the sand though how many people you know these boosters are almost a blessing in disguise for those of us that have been fighting this fight this entire time because I think it's going to turn a lot more people to our side. The booster is going to be the basically the red flag for a lot of people that have gone along with this. You know, they 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 got their two shots. They they did it to travel. They now they're legal to go everywhere. What happens when the government strips that freedom away from them if they don't get their third shot? Then what's going to happen? These people are going to wake up, my friends. That's why I'm thinking that these booster shots are more than likely a blessing for all of us that have been on our side fighting this fight this entire time. It'll be interesting to watch, to say the least. Okay, um, let's get this show started, my friends. We'll be right back. Welcome, friends, to Canadian Patriot Radio, where conspiracy is not theory, and political corruption finds the spotlight. CPR, we are committed to upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons. Command.
All right, welcome back, my friends. Uh, next, what I want to do is I want to focus on a CBC article um, <clears throat> that deals with breakthrough infections. And the title reads, Breakthrough COVID-19 deaths are happening in Saskatchewan, so what does it all mean? Now, you guys are fully aware that the CBC will probably try and dress this up and, and paint uh, quite an interesting picture. I've, skimmed, I've proofread some of this, but not all of it, so we will be doing this for the first time together. Uh, this was written by Alexander Kwan, and it was posted on September 9th, 2021. New data from the Saskatchewan government is providing us with a better understanding of COVID-19 cases in the province. The data gives the province a glimpse into so-called breakthrough cases. Fully vaccinated individuals who were diagnosed with the virus that occurred in, um, that occurred in August. Uh, it also provides hard data on breakthrough COVID-19 deaths in Saskatchewan. In August 22nd, 22 people died after contracting COVID-19. 12 of those deaths were among people who were un unvaccinated or have received their first dose uh, less than a week before dying and therefore hadn't received the full benefits of the jab. One person who died received their first dose one week before their death. That individual was also in the 80 plus age range. The other nine people, 40% of last month's deaths, were among those who were fully vaccinated. Most of those who died despite being doubly vaccinated were over the age of 60, according to the provincial government. Andrew Cameron, a biology, a biology professor at the University of Regina, says those over the age of 60 are often the most vulnerable to COVID-19. There is no question the vaccines are very protective against the disease, and death rates have dropped significantly in those most at risk once they have received two doses of the vaccine, he told CBC uh, Saskatchewan on Wednesday. But there will always remain some people, particularly within that older age group, who remain vulnerable. Comorbidities or pre-existing health issues also play a factor in deaths among those who catch COVID. When your body is of ill health for any number of reasons, it is less able to fight off an aggressor. In this case, a potentially deadly virus, Cameron said. Vaccines provide significant protection. <laughs> Cameron said breakthrough deaths may sound scary, but they are a fact of life during a pandemic. It is not that, that the vaccine is failing at all. It's that we're, as a society, allowing the virus to continue to spread and to put people at risk because it's spreading and it's deadly. Well, that's an interesting way of beating around the bush. Uh, <laughs> I personally would say that the vaccines are doing absolutely nothing, but that's my, my opinion. Breakthrough cases are not an indication that vaccination isn't working he said okie dokie it remains one of the most important tools canadians have in ending the pandemic it is important to remember that vaccines don't provide an immunity against covid19 but they do provide significant protection against contracting the virus curbing its own worst symptoms and limiting the spread whoa 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 you guys catch that it is important to remember that vaccines don't provide an immunity to COVID-19, then you cannot call them a vaccine. Period. I don't, I don't care if they change the Web, Webster's definition of what vaccines are. I don't care. My definition of a, of a vaccine is full immunity to whatever you're vaccinating against. And that's what it used to be up until 2020 in Webster's, Webster's Dictionary. But as you guys are aware, you guys are all smart. You're paying attention to this stuff. They are changing definitions of words to get around this stuff. So this guy clearly is all over the definition change. <laughs> Vaccinated individuals also provide a barrier against the spread of the virus, according to experts. 
As CBC Saskatchewan previously reported, it's better to think of the cases being reported as a a fraction or a part of a larger population of unvaccinated, partially vaccinated, or fully vaccinated people. There are currently hundreds of thousands more people vaccinated than unvaccinated in Saskatchewan, and that means the number of breakthrough cases is dramatically smaller than the number of new cases among the unvaccinated. Saskatchewan reports 4,596 new COVID-19 cases in August. About 74% or 3,416 of the cases were in unvaccinated or had received their first dose less than three weeks before getting sick. 9% or 424 of the cases uh, were people who had received a first dose more than three weeks before getting sick. Officials say 16% or 756 cases were in people who had received two doses of the vaccine and are thus referred to as breakthrough cases. So that's the end of that article. And you can't pick this apart too much except for the 756 breakthrough cases and uh, the 424 of the cases with one shot. As you guys know, I lump those together. Those are, if you've got one shot in my mind, then you fall in the vaccinated realm. So that means 1,180 people actually on the vaccinate, in the vaccinated realm got COVID-19. So when you start looking at it that way, that is a, a, a huge portion already. And let's not forget that they call people um, that catch COVID under two weeks of their second dose, they call them unvaccinated. So they'll never let us know that number. They, they, I see that they've, you know, I've been looking for that and they heavily guard that number i bet you it's extremely high people getting covid after uh within the 14 days after their second dose because they do not ever release that so regardless you know where we're at right now if you know what what are they saying 40 percent of last month's deaths were among those fully fully vaccinated so 40 percent already my friends And we're just going into winter. 40% in Saskatchewan double-vaxxed deaths from COVID. You know, if if you were just completely oblivious to what is going on and you just saw those numbers, uh, I personally think most rational people would say, well, there's really no point in getting that shot. If 40% are already dying, 40%, think about that. It's going to climb to half and then it's going to go beyond, just like it did in the UK and it did in Israel. You know, all the way up to like 60 to 70% is what, what they're seeing. So it's just a matter of time. It's just a waiting game here. And now you guys, you guys, are you guys paying attention to Austria? Austria is basically um, locking down its unvaccinated. Actually, I'll bring up an article and we'll read that together. Day 9 Satan just actually sent this to me. So we're going to cover it uh, right now. Uh, this is from BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. <laughs> Another great fake news outlet. And the title reads, COVID, Austria orders nationwide lockdown for unvaccinated. This was posted six hours ago, so today. And I don't have an author listed. Austria is placing about 2 million unvaccinated people in lockdown from Monday amid record infection levels and growing pressure on hospitals. We are not taking this step lightly, but it is necessary, Chancellor Alexander Schallenberg uh, said. Unvaccinated people will only be able to leave home for a limited number of reasons, like working or buying food. About 65% of Austria's population is fully vaccinated, one of the lowest rates in Western Europe. Meanwhile, the seven-day infection rate is more than 800 cases per 100,000 people, one of the highest in Europe. Overall, Europe has 
again become the region most seriously affected by the pandemic and uh, several countries are introducing restrictions and warning of rising cases. The unvaccinated were already barred from visiting restaurants, hairdressers and cinemas, but will now be told to stay at home. In reality, we have told one third of the population you will not leave your apartment anymore apart from uh, apart from for certain reasons, Mr. Schallenberg said. That is a massive reduction in contacts between the, the vaccinated and unvaccinated. The government says police will carry out the spot checks in public spaces to determine vaccination status. So here we go. Papers, please. In, in Austria. So obviously Austria hasn't seen the Lancet study that proves that um, the vaccinated get and spread COVID just as effectively as the unvaccinated. What is the point of singling out the unvaccinated? Let's carry on here. The new measures, which do not apply to children under 12 or those who have have recently recovered from COVID, will initially last for 10 days, Health Minister Wolfgang Muckstein said. Some critics have questioned whether the move is constitutional. The far-right Freedom Party has said it will create a group of second-class citizens. In neighboring Germany, where Health Minister Jen Spahn has warned of a pan- warned of a pandemic of the unvaccinated, the federal government and state leaders are due to meet next week to discuss possible new restrictions. Germany's 67.3 vaccination rate is higher than in Austria, but not by much. Germany has designed designated Austria as a high-risk area, meaning anyone arriving from there must go into quarantine. And the Netherlands has imposed a lockdown light designed to limit social contacts in response to a sharp increase in infections. Measures include early closing for restaurants and shops and barring spectators from sporting events. About 84% of Dutch adults have been fully vaccinated. Most patients in Dutch hospitals have not had their jab. Vaccination rates are significantly lower in some Eastern European nations. Latvia, where 59% of the population is fully vaccinated, reimposed uh, lockdown last month and has banned lawmakers who refuse the vaccine from voting on laws and taking part in debate until the middle of next year. They will also see their pay docked. Holy man. In Russia, only about 35% of the population are fully vaccinated, according to Our World in Data. At the end of October, Moscow shut shops, restaurants, and schools in a partial lockdown, and workers were given nine days paid holiday to curb infections. Now, there you go, Russia. That's Everybody should be doing what Russia's doing. Many Russians remain suspicious of the Sputnik V vaccine, which is internationally recognized as an effective shield against COVID. Some other countries are also introducing measures applying only to the unvaccinated. In Australia, the state of Queensland will bar unvaccinated people from restaurants, pubs, and sports sports events from December 17th. And Singapore said that those who remain unvaccinated by choice will have to pay for their own medical bills from December. Oh boy. So you can see how they're... they're st- targeting the unvaccinated they're still saying it's the unvaccinated all these people all these governments have not paid a single stitch of attention to the lancet study that comes out and proves that the vaccinated are just as uh effective at spreading covid probably more so considering that if they're walking around with 451 times the more viral load which we kind of covered um in the last episode for those of you that listened to it we uh we went through the ingredients and uh, what is the end game of the shot. And we know that the uh, vaccinated are actually quite a bit more effective at spreading the, vi- the virus. But that would be dubbed fake news. Now, wouldn't it? When your body's producing a spike protein from a virus, 
the actual virus that you're trying to stop, what do you think is going to happen? These people are going to be spreading the, the sickness. I don't see how this is complicated, and I don't see how world governments are pretending that they don't know this. It just goes to show that this is not about your health. This has never been about your health. This is about total control. And all of you are fully aware of that. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but it just needs to be said over and over. And like we said earlier in, in the pre-show, is it going to be the third dose that wakes more people up? I, I fucking hope so, my friends. <laughs> Okay, what I want to do next is Corporal Daniel Bulford, uh, Trudeau's personal bodyguard, spoke at um, uh, a, a freedom gathering in Toronto, and he nailed so many cool and key points. Uh, it's just so nice to hear one of our um, elite police forces speaking out in this way against the VAX uh, mandates. Now, this clip is fairly long. It's, a, it's about 16 minutes long, but we're going to listen to it in its entirety because he, uh, he just hits on so many key points that... Um, line up with the way you and I think about all of this. So let's pass it over to Corporal Daniel Bulford. This is a little overwhelming for me. Most of my conversations have been very small and one-on-one, but I'll do what I can. We support you. Thank you. First of all, thank you to Stacy, Vince, uh, Dr. Panessi for bringing me into the mix to come speak with you here today. And thank you to all of the groups that are banding together to push back and fight against what I see, and I believe we all see, as ever-increasing authoritarian behavior by our provincial, federal governments, and our non-elected public health officials. I'm not sure if you're all aware of this, there's actual scientific research that supports a correlation between infectious disease and authoritarian governments coming to power. For specifics on that, I highly recommend that you search the name Dr. Randy Thornhill. He recently did an interview with Dr. Jordan Peterson on his podcast called Death, Disease and Politics. And he will specify the details of the parasite stress theory that he refers to. Now, my layman understanding of that is that essentially, if a population is subject to living in a heightened state of fear, especially for an extended period of time, they become much more willing to relinquish their liberties to the state in exchange for a sense of safety and security. And I think that is definitely what we have been suffering from in this country for the last 20 or so months. Yes, sir. I know that there's a strong sentiment that exists that this entire thing has been planned and possibly years in the making. Yes, sir. I don't feel I'm confident enough to speak on that at this point because I've spent my time investigating other other issues surrounding this uh, COVID-19. But I definitely feel as though it appears to me and many others that there's definitely government, media, and industry that are fully taking advantage of this period in time to advance their own 
corporate and political agendas. Yeah, absolutely. And I make that claim based on my own, I've referred to it before as my own open source investigation surrounding what you might refer to between the official narrative and the counter narrative. If you look at the official narrative, what we're seeing from our public health officials and our government and our mainstream media, I think you'll find very consistently three major themes. Some of you may have heard me mention this before, but I'll, I think they're worth repeating here today. You have general vague statements. We all know what they are. Safe and effective. Benefits outweigh the risk. Uh, our actions are based on the best available evidence. Well, where is that evidence? And we're all I've looked for together. it very hard. I've found very little to support their claim that they're acting based on the best available evidence. Even the pharmaceutical companies offer more evidence than our government does. The second theme I've noticed is that anyone who speaks or offers any information or evidence contrary to the official narrative is immediately attacked, censored, suppressed, and attacked verbally in a very condescending manner. Therefore, fueling that heightened state of fear of anyone who may risk their reputation by speaking out against this. And the third theme, is the inappropriate analogies. I'm sure you've all seen them. People like making the link between these vaccine products and how they're just like a helmet, or just like a seatbelt, or just like a, a piece of body armor. I know I've seen the seatbelt and body armor one right from my own organization. Like, that doesn't even belong in the same conversation. Yeah. Not at all. Those things have been around for decades. We know what the limitations are, what the advantages are, and at the end of the day, I can take it off. It's not something that you're putting into our bodies that we have no control over what it does afterwards. Now, pivoting to the counter-narrative. Elvis. When I started looking into things for my own personal decision-making, I started listening to qualified medical experts, primarily critical care physicians, people who actually are on the front lines treating this disease. And I paid attention to virologists, immunologists, vaccinologists, people who spent their entire careers in these germane scientific fields. I don't count on the media for anything, and I haven't for years. I'm a police officer, I know better. And the three things that I've found from the counter-narrative are you have highly qualified experts who are providing excellent, detailed information and evidence. They're willing to show their work and they're willing to put their entire professional reputation on the line to do it. The second theme I've noticed is that they're consistently fighting suppression and censorship to get their message out there to the world. Yes. That we do have alternatives. Right. That treatments exist. That there are highly effective treatments for this disease. 
but they don't, they're not in the interest of the big pharmaceutical companies. That's right. And further to that, that we can all do things to make ourselves more resilient to this disease. We don't have to sit there and live in fear. We can do things to protect ourselves beyond taking a needle in the arm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the third theme that I've noticed from the counter-narrative is that they consistently say that we need to focus on the vulnerable because it doesn't matter what your vaccination status is. If you're in a high-risk category, you're going to continue to be high risk because these, these products don't offer the, the protection that everyone was hoping for. But then they also have a corresponding message of hope as opposed to fear. They're not fear-mongering. They're encouraging and they're saying that we don't have to live in terror. This disease is treatable. We don't need to divide our population and destroy our society with these ridiculous draconian lockdown measures. So, as a police officer, I spent a good chunk of my career as an investigator before I transitioned into the tactical side of policing. We're working on it. When, as a police officer, as an investigator, when you're trying to determine the credibility of a source or of a witness or of a suspect that you're investigating, you're not just looking at the information that's delivered, but how it's delivered and what can be corroborated, what can be proven. Well, in my analysis of the official narrative, at the worst, they're misleading and deceptive. And at the very best, their unknown reliability. Where the counter-narrative, on the low end, yes, sir. Very, I would consider them believe, believe rely, believed reliability, and at the best, proven reliability. Yes. And I think we're going to see them proven reliable in their information and their predictions of what is going to happen in the future over and over again. Yes, yes sir. So what do we do? Well, as explained earlier, various legal actions have already been initiated. And that's an important part of this fight. But those are going to take some time. So I would say to the law enforcement officers, investigate. That's what we're trained to do. Yes, sir. Lean on your agencies that you're a part of to launch official investigations. And if they won't do it, investigate yourself and expose the information and the evidence to the public. Yes, sir. Canadians deserve to have both sides of this story. Not just what they're constantly spoon-fed by the government and the mainstream media. And I would say the third thing we need to do is we need to lead people. Yes, sir. We need to lead people on how to be brave and how to be courageous. Joshua, one Because that's not necessarily everyone's conditioned state. It's really hard to even just have an honest conversation with someone that you care about, about what you honestly and believe and how you honestly feel regarding this entire situation for fear of judgment, 
for fear of ridicule. It takes practice. Yeah, Start right. small with that honest conversation with someone you care about that might not agree with you. Do non-compliant peaceful actions in numbers. You will be more confident if you have a group supporting you. Yes, sir. But now, like Dr. Panesha said, now is the time to be brave. We need to be brave, we need to be courageous. Yes, sir. No more silence, no more compliance. If I can circle back to the rise of the authoritarian government, what I have learned from paying attention to history and people who know a lot more about it than I do, is that authoritarian governments come to power because the population allows them to do it. Yes, sir. And because the police and the security forces support it and enforce it. Yes, sir. I truly believe that if enough Canadians stand up and say, no, we're not doing this anymore, we're not going to mistreat each other, we're not going to dehumanize other Canadian citizens based on a personal medical choice, the government will lose power. Yes, sir. They will have no power over us. If you look around the world, there's other countries that are already seeing that shift. Other police forces in other parts of the world are marching in solidarity with their citizens. And that's what we need here in Canada right now. To my active serving law enforcement brothers and sisters, I would remind you that we all have the ability to exercise our judgment and our discretion. And ask yourself two questions anytime you're asked to enforce something that you're uncomfortable with. Does this enforcement action violate the Charter of Rights and Freedoms? Amen. And number two, is this actually in the public interest? Section 15 of the Charter clearly states that every individual, not just the vaccinated, every individual in this country has equal protection and equal benefit under the law yes, without sir. discrimination, period. The last eight years of my career have been highly specialized where I have spent every day at work preparing to deal with high-risk, high-stakes situations. And a major component of that preparation is an ever-evolving risk assessment based on multiple factors. Based on the subject's behavior, his intention, his access to weapons, the environment that we're operating in, contrasted by my training, my experience, and my confidence, my abilities. When I look at what the current situation that we're in right now, my risk assessment regarding what the government is doing to this country is far more concerning than any concern that I have about risk with COVID-19. I'm concerned about the future for our children's generation. 
absolutely. I have three kids at home. Yes. And grandchildren. Good. ask me why I'm doing what I'm doing because I have to look them in the eye. They need to know what kind of man their father was. from uh, Corporal Daniel Bulford. Unbelievable. Um, got to agree with absolutely everything he said. And, uh, you know, it just seems to be the theme of this show is the line in the sand. Uh, we were talking about it earlier and he just reinforced it. Where Where is your line in the sand? For a lot of us, it was the injections. We were not down with experimental injections. And that was where we, we right there, we were like, nope, not being a part of your uh, experiment. I'm not down with it. Uh, and pretty much all of you that listen to the show, I know you're like-minded. You are exactly the same. But now we're watching them <clears throat> uh, strip the freedoms of the people that chose not to get the shots all over the world, including here. Um, the unvaccinated can't go into bars and uh, and uh, basically non-essential business or um, <clears throat> sporting events. But our Constitution, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, is so set in stone that they had to offer an alternative. But that alternative is also highly illegal due to the 2017 Genetic Non-Discrimination Act. They cannot require genetic testing for, for you to continue working. It's illegal in this country. It is punishable up to five years in prison or, and a $1 million fine. So any company that is requiring you to produce negative tests to either do business with them or work for them is breaking the 2017 uh, Genetic Non-Discrimination Act. And they need to be reported to the RCMP. That's just how we, this is how we fight back, my friends. This is what we do. If you have to uh, <clears throat> produce a negative COVID rapid antigen test to do any type of business, you need to be reporting those businesses to the RCMP. It's that simple. I myself am gonna I'm gonna pick up this baton and I'm gonna start doing it. Um, that is that is probably gonna be the most effective way that everyday people like you and me can fight back and make a difference. So it's just just like um, Daniel said, it we have to stand together. That's the biggest thing. We are stronger with numbers. We have to stand together. We have to collaborate. We have to figure out on what front you're fighting, on what front I'm fighting. 
and just keep pushing back. And honestly, I think we're winning in Canada. I don't think you're going to see them. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll attempt a lockdown like Austria here where they're just going to force the unvaccinated to just go to work and back and forth to work and that's it. But in the end, it's discrimination. It's flat out discrimination is what it is. And you can't redefine that. You just can't. As much as they like to uh, change the definition of words lately, like we're watching them do, you cannot do that. So it's neat. It's neat to see how, um, you know, people are starting to stand up. They're drawing their lines in the sand and they're not going to let the government cross them. And as you guys know, I am all over my premier. I'm all over Scott Moe. Every week I'm, I'm emailing this guy and letting him know that, uh, yeah, no, we're not down with your fascism. We just aren't. And to, to date, uh, nor the premier, nor the minister of justice, nor the Saskatchewan health authority has provided me with the information that I have been requesting now for months, which as you guys are aware, I have asked them all to show me an isolated purified sample of SARS-CoV-2 taken from an infected patient within Saskatchewan. They have to have this to justify any and all the actions they have done to date. They have to produce this. I'm not going through FOIA requests. I'm not doing freedom of information because why? This, you are supposed to be open and transparent. I am a citizen. You fucking work for me. Show me this information and I'll shut up. To date, they can't. And I know a lot of you are doing the same thing. A lot of you are, are doing the exact same thing to your uh, MLAs, to your premiers. I know you guys are fighting and it's great. I'm, gl- I'm very proud to be in, in this group with you and fighting back with all of you. Okay, where are we going to go next, my friends? <clears throat> let's, um, let's focus on how deadly these shots really are. Um, this is an expose article that was written November 10th, 2021. And the title reads, Breaking. 35,924 people died within 21 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine in England during the first eight months of 2021, according to ONS data. Now, this has one of those read-along things, so we're going to let it read to us, and we're going to follow along with you guys. Official Office for National Statistics data has inadvertently revealed that 35,924 people have died within 21 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine in England during the first eight months of 2021. Dozens of Freedom of Information requests have been made to Public Health England, FEE, over the past several months requesting to know how many people have died within 28 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine, but each and every time fee have claimed they do not hold the information requested. It is extremely strange to find that fee do not hold the information considering their counterpart in Scotland has been able to publish the data on deaths within 28 days of a COVID-19 vaccination. Public Health Scotland last published the figures on the 23rd of June 2021 in their COVID-19 statistical report, in which they revealed 5,522 people had died within 28 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine between December 8, 2020 and June 11, 2021 in Scotland. PHS were also able to reveal the numbers by brand of vaccine and date of occurrence in a published spreadsheet found here. The spreadsheet shows that 1,877 people died with 28 days of having the Pfizer mRNA jab, 3,643 people died within 28 days of having the AstraZeneca viral vector jab, and two people died within 28 days of having the Moderna mRNA jab. 
The reason people have been requesting to know the number of people to have died within 28 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine is because these are the exact same parameters that have been used to count alleged COVID-19 deaths for the majority of the alleged pandemic. Deaths are counted as COVID-19 if they occur within 28 days of a positive test, however, in the beginning they were actually counting deaths as COVID-19 if they occurred within 60 days of a positive test. But it would seem fee have been able to elude the requests made for the number of people who have died after having the COVID-19 jab thanks to a technicality. That technicality being the number of days used in their request, because we have discovered that they do hold the data on the number of people to have died after having a COVID-19 injection. But it isn't the number of people who have died within 28 days, it is instead the number of people who have died within 21 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine, and the figures have just been published inadvertently by the Office for National Statistics. A report published by the ONS on November 1, 2021 was a clear attempt to dupe the public into believing the majority of COVID-19 deaths are occurring among the unvaccinated population. But the date parameters used in their report include a huge swath of deaths that occurred during the second alleged wave of COVID-19 in January 2021, when barely anybody was vaccinated. The cutoff point was also the 24th of September 2021 meaning deaths that have occurred since have not been included. As you can see from the above graph taken from the UK government's COVID-19 dashboard the vast majority of COVID-19 deaths during the period used in the ONS report occurred during the second wave when the vaccine program had only just begun, so of course the vast majority of deaths occurred among the unvaccinated population. However, if ONS had decided to cover the third wave that we are currently experiencing then you would have seen that 83% of people who have died with COVID-19 between October 4 and October 31, 2021, were in fact vaccinated. The totals number of alleged COVID-19 deaths by vaccination status between October 4 and October 31, 2021 as confirmed by Table 4 of the UKHSA report were as follows. Not vaccinated population equals 538 deaths. Partly vaccinated population equals 85 deaths. Fully vaccinated population equals 2,447 deaths. This means the vaccinated population accounted for 83% of COVID-19 deaths between October 4 and October 31, whilst the not vaccinated accounted for just 17%. So as you can see the vast majority of deaths during this current wave of COVID-19 are occurring among the vaccinated population, but of course ONS didn't want you to know that so they left it out. But we bet they didn't plan on revealing the number of people who have died within 21 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine like they have. The ONS report, found here, is an attempt to show how well the COVID-19 vaccines have been at preventing deaths. But don't forget they've only covered the first eight months of the year where the vast majority of deaths occurred when the majority of the population were not vaccinated. However, by attempting to dupe the public into believing the COVID-19 vaccines have worked at preventing deaths the ONS have revealed that 35,924 people died within 21 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine in England between January 2 and September 24, 2021. As you can see above 18,971 people died within 21 days of having the first dose of a COVID-19 vaccine, and 4,413 people died within 21 days of having the first dose of a COVID-19 vaccine whose death allegedly involved COVID-19.
Another 12,344 people died within 21 days of having their second dose of having a COVID-19 vaccine, and 196 people died within 21 days of having their second dose of a COVID-19 vaccine whose death allegedly involved COVID-19. Therefore 35,924 people died within 21 days of having the COVID-19 vaccine in England during the first eight months of 2021. What's interesting to note here though is that a further 243,106 people died 21 days or more after having the COVID-19 vaccine, and were very eager to know how many of those occurred up to 28 days after being vaccinated, or even 60 days after being vaccinated considering they have and still do use this parameter to count COVID-19 deaths. But for now we will have to settle for knowing the official number of people to have died in England within 21 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine during the first eight months of 2021, and that number is 35,924, and we imagine it's a number that is only going to get bigger now that the predicted booster campaign is underway. 35,924 people died within 21 days of having a COVID-19 vaccine in just England. In just England, my friends. What does that tell you? And keep in mind, just like uh, just like the um, the article said, there's still another 243,106 people died uh, 21 days or more after having a COVID-19 vaccine. 243,106 in just England alone. And the, the article hints that it's very likely um, related to the vaccine, but they, so they were trying to dupe the public and actually shit the bed and release the numbers of people that died, um, within 21 days of their vaccine. This is horrifying. This is absolutely horrifying. So that's why they went with the 35,924 number because they can prove that. But, but to hint that it's actually probably around 243,000. Mother of God, my friends, what do we have? All we have in North America is VARES. Canada doesn't, doesn't even report any vaccine injuries whatsoever. Um, For some reason, it's not required here, but VARES for North America is supposed to be the early warning system. And we are like, like we have previously heard, we are completely ignoring it. And I bet you, because we know that VARES is between 1% to 10% of the actual numbers, you know, almost set, it's probably mid-17,000 now, if not higher. Just, just think about the astronomical numbers if that's just 1% that have died in just the U.S. alone. Now you, you compare notes with the U.K. and its potential over there in just the U.K. is 243,000 deaths? This is genocide, my friends. This is absolute genocide. Democide. When governments kill their citizens. That's what this is. There's no other way to describe that. It is government officials that are pushing this vaccine on their citizens. These people need to be tried and hung for genocide. Anybody that pushed this vaccine. Anybody. Any company that is forcing you to get the shot to work for them. Do you, like, do you, if this world ever gets righted and we stop living in this upside down clown world, do you know how many people need to be executed because of this? 
think about it. Think about it all the way down to the ground level. Down to companies that you know and work work with that are basically pushing you to get this shot to work with them. Think about the repercussions of these decisions that these companies, and particularly their CEOs, are, are going to be facing when this world writes itself. It's not just government officials. It's not just health authorities. It's all the way down to private business. Do I think, like... <clears throat> Do, do you think I'm extreme by, by saying that uh, these people need to be executed? I don't at all. This is mass murder. This is mass murder on, a, on the largest scale. We've never seen anything like it, ever. It's, it's absolutely horrifying that people are going along with this. Some people, some of the people you and I know are just too stupid to see it. And that's fine. That's fine. If the, if their intelligence isn't there and they and they uh, they believe all of this, th- those people I don't think are going to be, uh, you know, <clears throat> obviously they're not going to even be able to handle the re- reality as it unfolds. Once the truth comes out about all of this stuff, these people will probably crack and throw themselves off buildings. I seriously think our suicide rate is going to go through the roof once the truth actually about all this comes comes there's just people that are not going to be able to deal with it there's people that are 100% on the wrong side of history and they are pushing this shot on other people how are they going to handle their reality when this world writes itself it's something to think about isn't it my friends and believe me the world is going to write itself this mockery that we live in cannot continue it cannot this has been predicted and prophesized about for years like the actual overlapping in in even like biblical writings of what is happening right now is fucking phenomenal. I know you guys are brilliant people, so you you are paying attention to this. And we're basically talking about the book of Revelations. It basically tells you word for word what we're fucking living through right now. The mark of the beast will be in in you know, basically everybody thought it was going to be a tattoo on your forehead. But the rewriting of the King James Bible actually said before it was rewritten it actually said the mark of the beast will be in and on the right in the right hand in in the forehead what does that tell you Uh, it's just so you can't even ignore the amount of uh overlapping with the bible anymore you can't we are basically living in revelations it's truly shocking and What is what is what does the apocalypse even stand for? It's an it's an awakening. That's what it means. You, my friends, are living in the apocalypse. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but what a time to be alive. I know it's it's going to get worse. I I realize that it's going to get worse before it gets better. But we are truly living in epic times. Like this is biblical times. We are literally living in it. So unbelievable what we're witnessing what we're seeing and just like uh corporal daniel said you know you draw your line in the sand and you do not let them push you any further past that and a lot of people are starting to do it and the people that have bought into it or were coerced into getting it i think their line in the sand is going to be the third shot i think the third shot is going to be a big awakening for a lot of people i hope i really hope Anyway, my friends, that is where we are going to end this one. So if you got any comments for me, feel free to reach out 
to me on Facebook. It's Canadian Patriot Radio. Use the message button. You can communicate with me directly that way. Or if you prefer email, it's CanadianPatriotRadio at gmail.com. Um, I have been pretty absent on the Telegram rooms, rooms, but I will return. But there are people always posting good stuff in the Telegram room. If you want to join that conversation, it's t.me backslash Canadian Patriot Radio. And if you prefer websites, it is CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. Thank you, my friends, for tuning in again. And until next time, in all thy sons, command. for joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.